0: And welcome to this episode of the ISBA Bursacast podcast. This episode is for the 29th of February. As always, these episodes are here to bring you the very latest operational and regulatory issues impacting the independent school today. This week's episode will bring you the very latest on the DFE update on measles and ISBA's allergy policy, which has received a lot of positive media coverage this week. Thank you to all of you who have completed the ISBA VAT survey. This information provided has given us a really good baseline, but we do need more returns. This survey in its completed state will be used to give accurate, up-to-date, verifiable information to government departments on the effect of the proposed policy. It is the only study that will be used in this way and thus has a value to the independent school sector as a whole. And stick around to the end to hear the top three advice and guidance queries and, of course, the answers of this week, which deal with teachers and shared parental leave, school sharing data with the NHS and the parent contract and court orders. With all this to look forward to, let's jump right in with the first note of the day. So starting with the DFE update on measles in schools. Since last autumn, there has been an increase in measles cases across England. Measles is entirely preventable. It spreads very easily among those who are unvaccinated, including in nurseries and schools. The best protection against measles for children and adults is to have both doses of the MMR vaccine, and it is never too late to have these vaccinations. The DfE is hosting a webinar on the increase in measles cases, with speakers from the UK Health Security Agency and NHS England. The webinar will cover information on measles, an overview of current epidemiology, the importance of the MMR vaccination and how to get it, as well as how to manage cases and outbreaks in educational settings. The live webinar will take place on Monday, the 4th of March, between 4 and 5 pm. Education settings can sign up via the webinar using the Eventbrite link found in the latest ISBA bulletin. For those who cannot attend on the day, the webinar will be recorded. As mentioned earlier, the ISBA Allergy Policy Code and Register for Schools has been given a huge amount of press recently. The Code of Practice aimed at keeping young pupils with allergies safer at school was launched by the ISBA, the Benedict Blythe Foundation and the Allergy Team. We expect the DFE to announce that it is adopting the Code of Practice for maintained schools on Friday. The school's Allergy Code is a Code of Practice to help keep pupils with allergies safe. It covers awareness, emergency response protocol, training and policies. The code and its associated checklist are free resources and all schools are urged to adhere to the criteria laid out in the school. Additionally, there is the school's allergy register. Schools who want to demonstrate their commitment to good allergy management can apply to join the register held by the allergy team. These schools will be assessed and awarded a trust mark if they meet the criteria set out in the code. Families will be able to search for schools on the register and have confidence that these schools meet the standards of allergy management set out in the code. Sarah Knight, founder of the allergy team and former guest on the ISBA BursaCast, fling back a few weeks to see her on here. She said, knowing that a school meets the criteria set out in the school's allergy code, will give parents huge confidence when choosing a school for a child with allergies. To join the register and display the trust mark, schools will be assessed. This ensures they don't just pay lip service, to the code, but put it into practice, with buy-in from the whole school community. The ISBA has worked with the allergy team to publish a useful template allergy policy for ISBA member schools. And as always, that is available in the ISBA reference library. Moving on to some additional information from the DFE, they recently announced that the mandatory reporting duty for child sexual abuse will soon be incorporated as an amendment to the criminal justice bill as set out in the press notice available at Suffer Laws to Protect Children from Sexual Abuse. The full details of the actual duty will be shared in the coming weeks, along with the joint call for evidence and consultation response, which is expected to be published in March and we will provide a further update at that point. The DfE also announced, we want to be clear that the purpose of the CSA MRD is to better protect children, not to unnecessarily criminalise those with responsibility for them. The criminal penalty will only apply where someone deliberately tries to cover up child sexual abuse by preventing reports being made. As mentioned at the top of the episode, thank you very much for responding to the VAT survey. If you haven't yet or would like the link resent to you, please email office at theisba.org.uk. And the final note of the day is to do with School Works Councils. We have worked with Harrison Clark Rickabees to produce a template terms of reference and agreement for a School Works Council. Schools may wish to establish a workplace group or forum through which important matters can be discussed. ISBA's document for members provides a simple template for a school to use where it wishes to establish the terms of reference for an internal, informal, staff consultative group, for example, a works council or staff forum. This document should be used as a starting point and will need to be tailored and adapted depending on the intended scope of the works council and the issues to be discussed. Schools should seek legal advice when tailoring the template, or if they have any specific queries or concerns. The template is not intended to be used where a school formally recognises a trade union or where the information and consultation of employees' regulations, 2004, the ICE regulations, apply. It is suitable for use in setting the terms of reference for an informal works council or staff forum and should not be used where a school has received a formal request from staff to begin negotiating an information and consultation agreement or the school has given notice to the workforce that it intends to negotiate an agreement under the ICE regulations. Where such a formal request has been received or such notice has been given, schools are subject to several legal duties and timeframes and should thus seek specific legal advice. So with all of that taken care of, let's have a look at the top three advice and guidance questions and answers this week. Number 1. Can a teacher take blocks of shared parental leave? Yes, teachers on maternity leave are entitled to request up to three blocks of shared parental leave. These requests cannot be refused, assuming that the teacher is eligible to SPL and gives the required notice. Head to the reference library for more specific advice on this or jump into the latest bulletin where there's a link right to it. Question number two, this question is rather long and I apologise but we'll get through it together. We have recruited and appointed a new finance assistant subject to relevant recruitment checks, of course. However, I had a question surrounding the aspect of individuals who have lived or worked outside the UK in the last 10 years. The candidate we have recruited lived overseas in Munich for a period of two years during the 2020-2022, to but did not work as they were on maternity leave. They will be in non-regulated activity in their role, and I will request an enhanced DBS certificate with barred list check plus The usual recruitment checks as they will regularly have the opportunity to interact with children around the school site. As they are not in a teaching position, I just wanted to confirm what overseas checks I am required to complete on them. Would I just be required to risk assess them to indicate our informed decision making that supports our decision? And in answer, do complete the overseas checks as they are applicable, particularly given they have the opportunity to interact with children around the site. That's the key line here. The best option is a police check, but if this is not possible, further references and a risk assessment are appropriate and helps to demonstrate due diligence and a safe learning environment. If that question's prompted you to think a little bit harder about your recruiting processes, I highly encourage you to have a look at the safer recruitment course available in the ISBA network. Question number three. We have made an offer for next year and parents have raised an issue before accepting. They have notified us that a court order is in place which says the mother will pay the fees in years 7 and 8 and the father from years 9 onwards. Assuming both parents sign the contract, if one parent defaults at some point, are we still able to claim from the other as jointly and severally liable under the contract? Under the ISBA model parent contract, unless and until the school expressly agrees otherwise, for example by signing a relief from payment obligation letter with the non-paying parent, the parents are jointly and severally liable. As per the updated clarifying wording in the latest version of the model parent contract, court orders do not bind the school. So, if both parents sign, then they remain jointly and severally liable, which means that if one parent defaults, as well as the normal termination options, the school can sue either or both for the debt. I would expect the school to be very clear about this with the parents in this sort of scenario because they can understandably think that the court order extinguishes their liability to the school, which is not the case. Instead, if one parent defaults in breach of what they have been told to do so by the courts, then the other parent should, if they wish for their child to stay in school, beg or borrow to pay the fees and then recover them from the other parents via the family courts. The school shouldn't be caught in the middle or left without payment in such a scenario. And ISBA's top tip of the week is with regards to school inspections and health and safety compliance. The ISI has provided a useful table covering aspects of health and safety, training and the provision of information. If you've not yet discovered the ISI self-evaluation guidance document, you may wish to consider using it. And just before I send you on your way, thank you very much for listening this far, but I need to let you know that the ISPA annual conference is available for booking. Bursas and their teams can book day delegate tickets at ISPA's annual conference, which is of course on the 20th to 22nd of May 2024 at the ICC in Wales, which is an unbelievable venue. Tune back in tomorrow to hear from Danielle Bounds, sales manager of the ICC, to hear all about this fantastic venue. The conference itself offers a selection of professional development sessions for support staff to choose from, hosted by expert speakers who will share tips and advice on the latest issues affecting the independent sector from financial planning, mergers and acquisitions, the new inspections framework, digital strategy, sustainability, HR, safeguarding, marketing, and communication, and much more. To see the full program, head to the ISBA website. You will also get the opportunity to visit our largest exhibition yet of Suppliers to the Sector, network with peers, and also, let's not forget, the opportunity to relax and kick back at our annual dinner, which will be rounded off by an after-dinner speech by comedian Marcus Brigstock. We look forward to seeing you there looking forward to march webinars first of march we have one on sustainable education a new model 8th of march data protection insights and update for independent schools 19th of march managing health and safety for school lettings and 22nd of march outsourcing your catering any of those sound interesting please jump on and book your place The other thing and final thing to let you know about is the BSA and ISBA 2024 conference for boarding school bursars and heads of boarding. This is going to be online on Zoom and that will be on Friday the 15th of March from 9.30am to 3.40pm. And that brings this all to an end. Thank you very much for listening in. It's hugely appreciated. As always, if you'd like to get in touch, please email podcast at theisba.org.uk. We do love to hear from you. And if you haven't yet, please subscribe wherever it is you're listening to ensure you never miss an update. And if you think members of your team might find this useful, feel free to send them a link or share the episode with them. Check back in tomorrow on Friday for an ICC special to learn all about this fantastic venue that we'll be having the annual conference in. So I will catch you back here tomorrow. Till then, farewell.